Void. Good bit. Good bit, Kevin. yes. Here's something. Here's something. Yes, Justin? Folks, I don't know about you boys, but I love reading. There is... Ooh, there are but few... boy, does he hate structures of podcast introductions. <laughs> he loves reading, but he hates to follow a structure. I hate... I he, we're making up the structure. We're, we're making we're, it we're up. Feeling was, well, no, wasn't the structure just here's something? No, and then you say what it is, and then oh. I play the theme music, and then you oh. elaborate after oh, the okay. theme song. Well, well, it's okay. all right. No, 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 no. I'll take it from the top. I'll take it from the top. No, it's all staying in. <laughs> the cough is staying in. Good. The the break, everything, all of it, raw, as they like it, as I like it, as you I like it. I want to hear about what Justin's reading. This is driving me crazy. Kevin Vern, here's uh-huh. something. The The Scar by China Mieville. Roll intro! <laughs> Whoa! Mieville. The Scar? The Scar. S-C-A-R? Yes, the middle book in a in the the Baslog Fantasy Cycle by China Mieville. Um, it's it's not your daddy's fantasy. Uh, No, that's kind of China's thing is like, fuck, you, you gave me a China book once because I was complaining about the the dominion of Tolkienian yes. fantasy. And boy, does it basically buck every Tolkienian impulse it can offer. Uh, because rather than elves and dwarves and orcs, uh, you've got the Kepri, who are like an all-women species of uh, people with beetles for heads. Not like they have a beetle head, like... The beetle with the, like, thorax and abdomen is their head. Um, There's the Garuda, who are, uh, like, eagle people, um, who, like, have a flying library where they just, like, carry books around in their own weird, fucked-up laws. Uh, There's the Vojinoi, who are frog people who can control water. And then there's the Weaver, an interdimensional spider who... (laughs) basically lives in on an entirely aesthetics-based ethics that is it ba- whose mind is basically incomprehensible he speaks like who speaks entirely in like Allen Ginsberg Jack Kerouac language okay like what if you made the howl an entire mindset oh and oh, this is oh. just one book this is the first book what I'm talking about is the second one. Uh, called the Scar, which is a nautical fantasy in which various peoples are brought together on a floating city. A city made up of ships from centuries brought together and bound together, who have developed their own languages, who have developed their own technologies, arts, sciences, through salvage. Um, and 
Yeah. And what I love about it, and what I love about China Mieville's Basla Cycle is, yes, it's incredibly antithetical approach to fantasy. It is extreme, like, it, it, it takes industry as an assumption. It assumes technology advances, and therefore culture adv- advances with it. It takes very bold stances on fantastical tropes. Like, there are plant people in this, but they're cactuses. Yes! Um, they're giant cactuses who, like, live in greenhouses, and when they sail, because they're too heavy to, like, climb masts, they train monkeys to, like, do the rigging. Oh, cool. Um, and because they're plant people, like, bullets and arrows don't hurt them. So they wield rive bows, which are crossbows that shoot circular saws. Oh, shit. That just Sick. slash each other. That basically fell each other like trees. Um, I mean, sick. Yeah, I mean, it's sick just... You know all that stuff I talked about? There's even crazier shit in these books. No. Um, like, a full act in The Scar is them summoning Cthulhu to basically use as a mount to pull their floating city. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, there's a, their chief of police is a dolphin named Bastard John, and he has, like, a <laughs> dueling scar. Is, is, he the, is he the titular scar? No, no, no. The scar is a basically a rift in reality that they want to oh. basic that they want to basically frack. Okay, as, as no, a power I got, source. I hate to be that guy. I got bad feeling about fracking the interdimensional scar. I I got bad feelings about <laughs> fracking the rift. Actually, just and fracking in general. What it the what it totally. does with. Well, why I think it the scar especially I think does fantasy so especially well is not is by keeping it focused on a very central location of a floating city a city made of salvaged uh, ships that gives it a very strong identity in and of itself while also constantly hitting at hinting at a much bigger world. Uh, a world where, like, oh, refu- like where prisoners are turned into cyborgs uh, against their will. Um, or, like, there's an island that was an ancient civilization of mosquito people. And whose, like, in- who's, like coast is-, is, a- is called the Rusted Shore. Because it's made up of tiny, rusty screws and springs and gears. Uh, of just lost technol of technology lost to time, it it creates its sense of fantasy is both extremely specific because, like I said, it's kind of basic stuff. It's mosquito people, it's cactus people, while taking those prospects seriously enough, yeah, to actually make them feel like there would be a society of them. While mm-hmm. cre- while letting them be flexible enough for people to have individual relationships to those societies, because that's kind of the problem with Tolkien is there's like the Shire, and everyone just in the Shire just likes it, right? The, like the, the which and again I get it narratively. The only people who don't like it are Bilbo and Frodo and Sam, because that what makes them protagonists. 
and and <laughs> ready to leave. Yes, but it right. does. It, but it makes it feel like a less fully formed sort of space. Is right. that there's not there's not that inter uh, changeability. It's like we were talking about in the last episode. If this is true, what else is true? You know, like if it, it, it expand upon these worlds and how would it actually affect the world and how would people actually feel about it? Exactly. It it leaves a lot of blank space for you to actually kind of fill in and kind of experience individual relationships to a greater culture that you just, you just don't get in Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't f- get a sense that Legolas has a- in any different relationship with being an elf than any other elf. Totally. Yes. Um, it's very, this is what this kind of person is and there's no, not type of person, this is what the, like this species is and there's no, there's no deviation from that line. Exactly. While with the Scar, everyone is a deviant. Everyone is literally a castaway. Um, so it's, it creates a space where people can both grapple with this new culture they're around, they're surrounded by, as well as deal with the, the relationship to a society they can no longer return to. So they can feel nostalgia, regret, um, catharsis, moving on from an especially shitty society. Um... While also dealing with the very real problems of the society they now have to live in, which have politics and culture and all of this and, like, its own technology. Um, and also be by dealing in much more wild and abstract stuff, like beetle-headed women and cactus people um, and dolphins named Bastard John... It creates a world that feels more surreal and lurid um, and strange. And that strangeness is, I think, something that a lot of fantasy is extraordinarily lacking. Um, a Because I feel like there needs to be a sense of fantasticness. Um, you know... Like, a sense of that, of a world that's not just, like, ah, a heightened sense of memory. Like, ah, where there, where, like, in fucking Warhammer, that, like, Warhammer series, where... <laughs> Get them. Oh, Get just, their ass. There's old, there's England. There's just a fake England country, and a fake France, and a fake Italy, and a fake Rome, mm-hmm. and then elves and dwarves, um... That's making the fantastical feel mundane, but not in an intentional sort of way. Exactly. It's just boring short. It just uses it as boring shorthand to save them the effort of actually making up something interesting. <laughs> you know, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be better about reading this year. Uh, I, I do a lot of reading, but it's always just, like shit on the phone. I'm trying to replace like empty calories with like good calories. Mm-hmm. Trying to step away from like reading fast food and reading Words on like paper. some. Yes, uh, and so I've been been reading some books. Uh, a tiny spoiler for the next time I do a hear something, um, but a lot of why I don't read, especially like fantasy stuff, is it either sounds exactly like normal life but like (laughs) the people have pointy ears or it just 
in I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna offend a lot of folks who like read, and I'm sorry, I'm a stupid person. But like a lot of fantasy stuff just sounds like real life, but where they have pointy ears. Yeah. Or it just sounds like the Fifty Shades of Grey to Lord of the Rings Twilight. It just kind of feels like fan fiction. That's all, no, that's um, also fair. I think. Uh, but you, this sounds like it's like it its own unique thing which is very intriguing and fascinating yes it comes from a genre literally called the new weird from the like late like 90s it. and like early 2000s I like um it. that tried that to explicitly break the molds of fantasy that had become wildly codified in the wake of the kind of paperback boom um mm-hmm. Like, if you go in, like, you know when you go into any used bookstore of any size and you go to sci-fi fantasy and their mass market paperbacks all look the fucking same? Uh It's all guys in tights or, like, loincloths, like, gesturing at, like, either skeleton men or dragons. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, that kind of like paperback aesthetic had become so codified by the eighties that people needed to fucking break the, uh, I can't think of his name. We talked about gentleman Broncos forever ago, but like mm-hmm. Jermaine's character from that, like mm-hmm. it, that kind of, uh, strain of, uh, of book. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Um, and so it lended much more towards surrealism and, like, gothic horror uh-huh. more so in ways that I find much more interesting. Um, it, like, much in the same way that uh, New Wave uh, sci-fi in the 60s and 70s broke so hard from the, like, fucking golden age of sci-fi like isaac asimov ray bradbury robert Mm -hmm. heinlein those guys who are like hmm we have to do the nuts and bolts this has to be accurate uh just you know just stuffy engineers (laughs) be like hmm the robot would act like this this woman would be hysterical and the child would be childish and then in the 60s and 70s these guys uh, actually led by uh, one of my favorite authors, Michael Moorcock, a really fucking good writer who uh, heralded this shift, said, hey, what if science fiction was literature? What if it actually was artistic and it was trying what? to be focused much more on uh, evoking emotions and engaging with the reader's feelings? What if that was the, like, prime motivator instead of asking... Hmm. What if this one mineral existed and that allowed me to <laughs> power a battery? And by God, this battery could make a refrigerator last three weeks longer than typical. The future. The future. Give me some of that fridge mineral. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Give me that Justin, mineral right out the fridge. Uh, Justin, I hate to put you on the spot. But? Um... But uh, that author that you're just talking about, um, uh, what's a good what's a good starter book for that guy? Uh, China Mieville? Um I No, would... uh, well, him, but also oh, uh, Michael the other one. Yeah. I would say uh, one of his most famous book um, and the book th- and the story that kind of helped inspire the new weird um, 
in the 90s is Elric of, uh, is called um, Elric of uh, Melnibone. Uh, Melnibone. Okay. I don't know. It's it's something I've never heard at read out loud, but it was an explicit break from Tolkienian fantasy because it, instead of saying, like, instead of imagining, what if the main hero was, you know, square-jawed and, like, broad-shouldered? I uh, came from nothing and became everything. Instead asked, okay, what if the main character was like a sickly albino aristocrat um, who has to take like tons of pills and potions just to get out of bed in the morning? He comes from a legacy of warlocks and demon worshippers and the kingdom he inherited is basically if the elves were evil and... He basically, he's basically the king of evil England, where it's this isol, it's this island nation that w- used to rule the world, and then because they live forever, turned in on themselves and became a bunch of like junkies and sadists, like where they have like a torture chorus. <laughs> oh, and they and like their dreaming city is where they do drugs all day, and they're stuck in like hallucinogenic stupors. And Elric shows up as this like sickly, the sick kid who wasn't so, but he was the he was the basically, he's the wrong kid who lived. Um, and he shows up and he says, "Well, what if we had like morality? What if, what if we didn't spend all of our time torturing each other and getting high, and we like built a bridge?" It'll never work. It it never happened. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it's very it's very good. It's cool fantasy because the main character is actually like smart. He like thinks shit through, um, and that's kind of the gauge of his personality. He's not a Conan like brute. He's an he's an intellectual who more brokers <laughs> deals with demons and elementals to get his way. M- more of a like a Picard. Yes. Like a diplomat. Absolutely. I love um, it. Yeah. And it's part of this huge, like, oeuvre called the Eternal Cycle, called the Eternal Champion, where it's about, where basically it's the same kind of hero appearing time and time again across genres, like alt history steampunk, uh, 60 swinging spot, like Austin Powers spy adventure, uh, gothic vampire. Um, like, distant future post-apocalyptic stories as one guy trying to do the right thing always. And it's always the same kind of person. And Interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's super influential. If you, like, look up this stuff, it's everywhere. And the guy who wrote this, Michael Moorcock, he was an editor in the 60s who helped basically birth new wave uh, fantasy, new wave sci-fi um and then wrote a ton of and then wrote a ton of great books and he's just been this like really he's this really cool figure he's like he's an anarchist he's a leftist he wrote a great takedown on tolkien called epic poo <laughs> comparing, oh, okay. comparing uh, lord of the rings to winnie the pooh because they're about as emotionally complex oh, okay okay uh not the direction i thought i was going with no 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 i like it um and just sort of long story short, folks, check out The Scar, check out Elrica Melvinay, check out New Weird, check out genre fiction that 
dare that really tries to be different that really try that tries to surprise you that tries to be itself and actually push you as a reader to imagine more than you did before you start reading fascinating fascinating so that's my something that is something that is something and i tried <laughs> to keep it brief this time i'm sorry i got Oops. fascinated i got fascinated i'm sorry